What do you do to remember a special occasion? Do you, do you use a camera? Use a video thing? Take a, now, nowadays, you don't have to have a special video camera. You've got phones that do that. I don't. I have a stupid phone. You've heard of smartphones. This is a stupid phone. <laughs> it can't do that. So, um, you know, other people, I don't know. What do you do to remember something? How, how do you remember a special occasion? Do you do anything special? Yeah, what do you do? Take pictures? You put in a photo album? Draw. Oh, draw pictures? Ooh, if you're an artist, yeah. I would do stick people everywhere, but yeah. And put it maybe in an album or something, in some type of scrapbook. That's a good thing. What else? What's somebody else? What do you do? You write about it. Ooh, yeah, that's a good idea. Good idea to do. Write about experiences. Then you can pull them back and read them like a journal or something. Some people have diaries. Uh, I don't have one anymore. My wife took it. Um, <laughs> that's not real. What else do you do to remember special occasions, special events that happen in your life? What do you do? Anybody got? Okay, let me ask this. Does anybody have a pressed flower on them right now? Pressed flower. No? Because some people, I guess, I'm the only person who does this. Yeah, I have a pressed flower that I keep in my wallet. And someplace in here, there's no money. I don't know what I'm looking for. <laughs> Why am I having a problem? Oh, I'm finding all There's where that receipt went. Okay. But, um, yeah, I have a pressed flower that I keep in here someplace. I think it's hidden behind. But I have a little rose that was pressed um, from a special event in my life. And I keep that in my wallet. And I pull that out. Does anybody else have anything else you do for special events? How about if you graduate? Do you have your diploma or something on the wall? And then you can, if you're not sure, like, boy, I feel so stupid, but I must be smart. I got a diploma from college, you know? Maybe you do something like that. You win an award. Do not you put a, a, a trophy or something up and display that to remember? Why is the trophy there? You don't worship it, do you? Like, oh, mighty trophy. No, you don't do that. You go up and you oh, yeah, I remember that. Oh, Boy, that was so cool when that happened. Yeah, you get the most valuable player award or something, put it up there. Oh, wow. You're winning a debate. Ooh, cool. Um, maybe you got one for being the best bowler. Oh, wow. You know, whatever it is. You do things like this to remember, right? And we, we put certain things like this together. Do you know that back in Bible days, they didn't have cameras and videos. So they had to do something different. And it's all through the Bible. A lot of times people read right over these things about what God said to do to remember certain things. We just read right over it, and we a lot of times don't pay any attention to it. We even write some hymns about some of these. Well, tonight we're talking about that. You can see we're still on rocks, so obviously this has something to do with a rock. And as we get into this tonight, we're going to see a command that God gave the Israelites to do, and it is so, so cool. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and get started. Father, we thank you for this day we've had. Lord, what a wonderful day. Absolutely fantastic. We thank you for the safety you've given us, for the health you've given us. Lord, we just ask now that your spirit will just speak to us. Lord, speak to your children. What is it you want us to hear? Lord, it is your spirit. It tells us in Scripture. It is your spirit that does the teaching. And we invite you right now that your spirit may come in and teach us. Draw us close to you. And we know in a promise you made in the book of James that when we draw close to you, you draw close to us. Lord, help us to understand. We ask this in Jesus' name, because it is in character with him. Amen. 
We're talking tonight about a thing called a matzava stone. Now, I know you're probably wondering, what in the world is that? I mean, when's the last time someone asked you, hey, do you got a masaba stone at home? You don't get asked that very often, do you? But it's actually something from the Bible. It really is. It's a really cool uh, situation and, and something that is found all through the Bible. And in the case of the ancient Israelites, not just the Israelites did this, other ancient cultures, the Canaanites did this also. And they followed this type of thing. They're called standing stones. I don't know if you noticed in this photograph, but there's a standing stone right here. This is an idol. Pay no attention to that. Get away. But this is a standing stone. Here's another standing stone. And people, when they go to, like, um, this is up in um, Galilee. This is the city gate going in here. Uh, a lot of people, they notice this, but they don't pay any attention to these. Things like this are very important particularly to the Israelites, because God gave them certain things. These standing stones were specific reminders, photo albums, trophies, um, statues, diplomas, things like It was all sorts of things to help them remember, to remind them of what God's covenant and what supernatural acts he had done. When the Israelites did some, had some experience that God came in and did something massive in their life, I mean a really big event, they would set up a stone. They often didn't write on them or paint them. Does anybody here have a pet rock at home? <laughs> you get a pet rock too? Do you feed it? No. No? The only nice thing about a pet rock, well, there's many nice things. They don't go to the bathroom on you. Pick up a gerbil, it'll do that. But yeah, rocks don't do that. But it was a reminder. They used these rocks to remind them of what God had done. You see, God wants us. He tells us over and over in Scripture, which I will show you, He wants us to remember what He has done in our lives. Tonight, I'm going to give you guys a real big challenge to think about some big event, at least one, that has happened in your family that God has come through in a major way. Because I'm going to give you a chance tonight to document it. That's what we're talking about. This goes back in Isaiah chapter 46, verses 9 through 11. I want you to notice how God tells the Israelites to remember what he's done. As it says here, look at how this verse starts out. Remember the things I have done in the past. This is God speaking to them. Remember the things I have done in the past. For I alone am God. I am God. And there is none like me. Only I can tell you the future before it happens. Everything I plan will come to pass, for I do what I wish. I have said what I would do, I will do it. God is telling us two amazing things here. He wants us to remember, but he's telling us two major things here besides that. One, he is in supreme control, absolute control. Every single thing that happens to you does not catch God by surprise. He is awake through it all. If you had a car, uh, a, a, a flat tire on the way here, do you know something? God knew you are going to have that. It wasn't like, oh, wow, I must have been asleep at the wheel there. Sorry, he got a flat tire. No, God designed that. He allows things to happen, even things that aren't sometimes a lot of fun to go through, like a flat tire, a car wreck, an injury, an illness. He's in control, folks. That's what that verse was saying. He is in absolute control. Don't ever forget that. God is in control. Second, 
he's telling us that what happens in our lives is part of world history. I mean, history, think about it. His story. You see how there's two words really in a way? His story, that's history. And that's what history is. You look through the Bible, it is a ton of God's story. And he has an influence in and on our lives. He does do this. He is an influencing force in our lives. And he's, that's what he's telling us. So two wonderful things that we see there. God is supreme. And like I, I have said this, you probably heard me say this before, and particularly high schools, that there is no random in the universe. In the 1990s, mathematics, uh, mathematicians and physicists, they found out and discovered there is no such thing as random. There isn't. God is in control. God is in total control. Don't forget that. Now, as we, I mean, if we do forget it, you know what happens? If we start to forget that God is in control, we're going to start to become prideful. We're going to start to become um, more concerned with our own lives and our own events. We become narrow-minded, um, and we rely upon our own selves all the time. That's not what God wants us to do. God wants us to take time to recall. He wants us to take time out of our lives to remember, as it says, the former things of old. Look what's recorded here in the book of Daniel, chapter 7, or I'm sorry, Deuteronomy, chapter 7, verse 18. Look what it says. Remember what the Lord your God did. Does it get any plainer? You know what that means? Think back to your lives. What has God done in your life? I'm sure he's done something. Hopefully, most of us in here can say, boy, I can remember getting saved. I remember accepting Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. God didn't have to do that. He wants to do that. And that's an amazing gift that he gives us. Not because we're good, <laughs> anything but. But he loves us and he offers us grace. In Psalm chapter 77, verses 11 and 12, but then I recall... All you have done, O oh Lord. This is David writing this. And he's saying, I remember, God, what you've done. O oh Lord, I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They're constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. You see, God is telling us, folks, let's take time in our lives to think what he has done for us. Has God done something really cool for you? If so, let's think about that. Let's try to remember those things. And you know what? Just don't think about it, parents. Tell your children about it. Keep reminding them. Have you ever noticed that if you keep reminding kids, they start to remember stuff? Yeah, it doesn't work in every case, does it? <laughs> but all the children in here all remember everything. Yeah. Unfortunately, kids do remember the things we don't want them to. <laughs> but yeah. Here's another one in Isaiah 46, verse 9. Remember the things I have done in the past, for I alone am God. There's no one like me. Remember the things. I have done in the past. God is specifically telling us to remember these things. Now, here we are at the end of the year. This is a good time to reflect what has God done in our lives in the last year? What has God done? Has he done something really special for you? I'm sure he has. Here's another one. The Passover. We all know the Passover story, right? I mean, you see it in the movie The Prince of Egypt. Though it's not quite accurate, but, or Ten Commandments and stuff, but the Passover. Look what God says concerning the Passover. In Exodus chapter 12, starting at verse 24, he says this. Remember. Look at that first word. Remember. Remember. Recall. Bring it back. Think about it. 
These instructions are a permanent law that you and your descendants must observe forever. When you enter the land the Lord has promised to give you, you will continue to observe this ceremony. Then your children will ask, uh, what's a ceremony mean? And you will reply, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord. For he passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt. And though he struck the Egyptians, he spared our families. When Moses had finished speaking, all the people bowed down to the ground and worshipped. That's what God wants us to do. We don't worship the, the memory itself. We think about what God has done and we worship him for what he's done in our lives. We don't do this too often, do we? I need to do this more too. In Genesis 28, remember the story with Jacob? Boy, he had a hard night's sleep. He used a rock for a pillow. You ever try using a rock for a pillow? Wake up in the middle of the night and try and punch it to make it smoother? Ooh, break your hand. Not fun. Remember that story? Well, here it is in Genesis 28, 18. Look what happens. The next morning, Jacob got up very early. He took the stone he had rested his head against, and he set it upright as a memorial pillar. And he poured olive oil on it. Wow. Why did he do that? He set it up as a reminder of what he saw that night when he got to see the stairway up in the heaven. He set up a pillar to remember it. In Exodus chapter 24, Moses had stones set up as a reminder of the things that happened at Mount Sinai. I'm not going to give you the verses. There's too many of them here, but it's in Exodus 24. When God was giving him the Ten Commandments, when God told Moses to strike the, stick, or strike the rock with his staff and water came, all these miracles, he said, set up stones to recall these things. Why? So when people are walking by, whether Israelites or even foreigners, Gentiles, they walk by, they see the stone. Hey, what's that stone there? There might be a, a Hebrew person standing over here who says, hey, I can tell you what that stone's about because God did, and they go on with that. Wow, what a witnessing tool, huh? A Masaba stone is a great witnessing tool. In Joshua chapter 4, God commands Joshua to set up stones to mark the miracle of crossing the Red Sea just before they attacked Jericho. They walked across the Jordan River on dry land, and he had them, this is sort of strange, but God had them set up rocks in the middle of the riverbed before the river came back over, so the river fill, filled them. But they left one there, and they also put one up on the shore. They put rocks here. Why? To remind them, this is what happened here. Teach your children. So when people are walking by, hey, Dad, why are all those rocks there? Okay, son, I can tell you. That's when God performed a tremendous miracle for us. He was with us, and he helped us walk right across there. Those stones are to remind us of that. Oh, I get it. Mm -hmm. or, or how about in Joshua, well, this is the passage here, Joshua 4, 21 through 24. Joshua said to the Israelites, in the future, your children will ask, why do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, this is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the river right before their eyes. And kids are going to remember that. And God knew that. And plus it helps the adults to remember this. In chapter 8 of Joshua, after two major battles, God tells him to set up stones again. And in this case, he writes the law of Moses, on the book of, uh, which is the book of Deuteronomy, on one of these uh, altars that he built. This is here, this picture you're looking at is from Mount Ebal, in, um, very, very close to where the woman of the well story takes place in the New Testament. Up on top, they've excavated out this altar. 
Underneath this altar, this is a, a newer one, there's an older altar underneath there that actually dates back to the, about 1400 B.C. Thus, that was the one that Joshua built. It's been excavated out. Exactly as the Bible said. Wow. Is that not cool? I love how archaeology does stuff like that. Probably the most well-known Masaba stone, though, is, or standing stone, is the one that is found in 1 Samuel. A lot of times we just read over this and we don't quite comprehend what's going on. They just had a battle, the Israelites won. Samuel then sets up a stone after the battle of the Philistines and he gives it a name. You call your pet rock a name? Baby? Oh, maybe. Your rock's name is maybe? Hi, maybe. Is that what you do? <laughs> no? Does it have a name? You just don't want to tell me, do you? Your pet rock have a name? Hey? Joey? There you go. That's not that straight. We laugh. Oh, we're giving a name to a rock. Hey, Samuel named a rock. And he called it Ebenezer. Wow, that's a name. Ebenezer, which means stone of help. You know, there's, we use that in some hymns. We sing, this is, you know, we sing about our Ebenezer. You're one, we're not talking about Scrooge. What we're doing is talking about Ebenezer the stone here, the remembering stone. That's what it was. Here it is. In 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12, Samuel took a large stone, placed it between the towns of Mizpah and Jesana, and he named it Ebenezer, which means stone of help, for he said, this, up to this point, the Lord has helped us. Everything, in other words, what he's saying is, everything that has happened to us, folks, God has been with us. He has helped us. We're going to set up this stone to remind us, God is our help. And what he has done, we've won this tremendous battle that we should not have won because of God. Stones are found all over in Israel. If you go to Israel with me, as I was talking about before, you will be able to see some of these most amazing, amazing stones. Um, they're all over there in Israel. You can see them and stuff. Um, these are actual stones, Masaba stones. As you see, this one's got some carving on it. Um, so there's a bunch here. Let me show you some other pictures. Here's Masaba stones. See all these stones standing here on the sides? Now, we have no idea what these stones represent because you, they didn't write on them usually. Archaeologists and historians are puzzled. What in the world were these for? We have no idea, but the people who lived there at the time, they did. They were remembering stones. So they would go up and they'd see this, and they're like, oh, wow, God, what you did is so awesome. They're all over Israel. Here's another one. Another memorial stone you can see standing. This one's on a small little altar, and they put a stone. Two stones are actually standing there. Again, there's no writing on it. We don't know what they were. But it was something that the Israelites were commanded to do. You see, the, it's sort of hard. I don't know why we're a little dark here, but there is a standing stone right here. There's like a little throne that a judge would sit on here. Here is one on this side. It's over here, over here. There, uh, on this slide over here, you can see another standing stone. Some are small. Some are huge. Some stones in Israel are over 10 feet high. We have no idea. If you go to Gezer, on top of the city up there, there is a whole pile. There's about 20 huge stones, and they're all about 6 to 10 feet high. What the, were they for? We have no idea. If there was any writing on them or anything like that, it's long gone through the ages. We don't know. But they were Masaba stones. Now, God did this for us. Basically, four things I want you to remember here. Why did God have us do this? All right? He's teaching us certain things. First, it was to make known to the people 
and future generations that were to come, and visitors who entered into the land, what God had done. Second, it was for miracles. After God did miracles, he many times says, put up a stone. So it's to remind us of the miracles that God does. Another thing was it's for the care he provides to his people. When you're going through hard times, the Israelites went through hard times, famines and stuff. When things would end, put up a stone. Remember what God has done. And it was for the blessings of life. You want to honor God? Set up a stone. You don't worship it. That's wrong. They are to remind you of the blessings that God gave us. And I said, they are phenomenal, phenomenal witnessing tools. I do know a lady who actually took a stone from here at Fort because years and years ago, she found Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior here. And we were talking, this was a few years ago, she was talking, she says, Michael, can I take a stone back from Fort? Sure, we got quite a few of them around. So she went out into a field and picked up a stone. I said, you know, uh, I can clean it up for you, which I did. I cleaned it up and gave it to her. And I said, what are you going to do with it? She says, I'm going to display it in my office. Cool. Well, I'd forgotten about that. About, it was about a year later, she came back to another camp here. And she came up to me and she said, do you remember that stone that I asked you for? I said, oh, yeah, I remember that. She says, I have it in my office. Right there where people come in, they see this sitting on my desk. And I go, okay. And she says, you know what's happened? She says, people come into my office, they see that stone, they come up and they say, what's the stone for? It's too big to be a paperweight. What's that for? And she says, and I get to tell them about finding Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior here at camp. She says, that's why I brought it. That's why it's in my office. How cool is that? Can't we, every one of us probably find something like that to do? Wouldn't it be good to do that? Wow. What a challenge for the new year. That's what we're talking about. When something significant happened to them, they were supposed to set up a stone. You can see the arrow pointing to this one. This picture I'm showing you because I wanted to show you this one last. It's really interesting. Where they've got the arrow is inside a, an ancient home, a person's house, where there was a wife, a husband, and probably kids. You see the one stone sort of standing, sort of a weird curved stone, that's a masaba. Something, we have no idea because the family's gone, their generations and stuff are gone, but they had had some type of thing happen that they felt to put a stone right there in their house to remind them of what God had done. Is that not cool? Wow. That is so, so neat. Now, they're not, they're not supposed to be worshipped, they are simply reminders. Reminders to recall and to remember what God has done. You don't worship the stone. Though sometimes Israelites did that and they got in trouble. That's not what God wants. So, that's what this is. And by the way, do you know that in um, the book of Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, Peter talks about Jesus being a stone and that today we, he says that we are the living stones. We are the Masaba. We, as Christians, are the people supposed to be guiding the people, answering the questions to the people about who God is, how to find salvation. That's what we are. We are the living stones today, is what Peter is telling us in 1 Peter 2. Tonight, we're going to do something a little different. I'm going to give you a challenge. You don't have to do it, but if you 
want. I want you to take a few moments. Here tonight, you notice I got a lot of stones here. These are all stones from Fort. Jesse Kaiser, who's one of our short-term people, went out and dug these up for me. Um, some of them are, are small. Some are pretty big. I took them to the Nature Center. I scrubbed them up. Um, I even took some olive oil. Remember Jacob poured oil on his rock? You know, you can take like this one here. This is Jasper. And if you want to know what kind of rock it is, ask Ron or Tom. They know more about rocks than I do. I'm a biologist. But if you put a little olive oil on there, it shines it up. You can take these rocks and shine one up here and display it. How neat. That beautiful piece of jasper. Or some schist or granite. We got all sorts of things here. And by the way, I used oil from Israel. <laughs> but what I want you to do, I challenge you to, put these up here. I want you as a family, you don't have to do it right now. If you want to do this later, whatever, that's going to be sitting here. You can think, as a family, get together, what has God done in my life? Maybe has God done something to you here at camp? Maybe you found Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe someone in here has never done that, never accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. You know, it's so simple to do. And it's not mouthing the words. It's not a secret prayer. It's just, it's, it's a trust and a commitment that God can save you and he will save you. Most people accept Jesus Christ as their Savior by praying, because that's how we talk to God. And if you've never done it, you could sit here right now and change your life forever by simply saying, and, and remember, it's not the words, it's what's taking place in here. Taking place in your heart. Is it real? You, you just admit, God, I am a sinner. I'm separated from you. Please save me. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. He's God and he knew I needed help. And I believe that he can save me. Please come into my life. Change me. Help me to be a servant of you. Let me serve you. You be my Lord. You know, it's not the words. It's what's going on. And if you just prayed that, you know something? And if you really meant it, it's not the words. If you really meant that, Jesus Christ will honor that. He will put his spirit inside of you. You will live forever with him. Paul calls that being saved. If you did something like that here at Fort, maybe you just did it now. That'd be a great thing to take a stone home to remember. If something happened, maybe an illness this past year, and God healed you, a great thing. Set up a stone in your house, take one of these home, and use it as a Masaba stone. Then you can have the kids come up and pick it out. I don't care. There's one... We have more than one for every family, but we're only allowing each family, because we've got another camp coming in, and we're getting some snow, we can't find the rocks. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Jesse dug, dug these up back in early November. But I want, I have, for uh, the challenge is for each family to take one of these. Not just take the rock as a cute little rock, to make it a Masaba stone. Make it stand for something, like that lady I was telling you about. Maybe God has done something really special in your life. Maybe it was years ago. You want to honor them, you want to pass this information on to your kids, and they can pass it on to their kids. Even one of the kids can take it later on when they move out. They can carry the stone with them and, and tell the stories of these. That's what this is about. I dare you to take one of these and use it. Set it up. 
you can clean them up. Like I say, just take some olive oil or corn oil. You can polish it up and uh, the oil gets absorbed, but you can always put more on there and they polish up really pretty. Some of them are sort of drab. Like I say, they're not supposed to be really special. They would just, in Israel, just use, as you saw, just ordinary black stones and things. I have different types here, but feel free to come up and they are heavy, so be careful. Particularly if you're having a kid pick this out, don't let them walk with something like that very easily. But parents, as a family, I challenge you to set up a Masaba stone. Use it to remember what God has done in your life. Use it as a witnessing tool. Maybe dads, moms, take it to work. Set it up in the living room. Don't put it, you know, hidden in the closet. Put it out on display like the Israelites. So when people come in, they'll see it and they'll ask, what's that there for? And then you get to tell them this wonderful story. Isn't that cool? So that's my challenge to you. Masaba stones. Something that's found all through the Bible. Old Testament, New Testament, you see it. Most of us had no idea what they were. Now you know. And I dare you to take them because God actually told the Israelites to do this. And as Peter said, we are really the Masaba stone. But that doesn't mean you can't do this still. Take a stone. Take it home with you. Use it to remember. If something happened at Ford or whatever, Use it as a witnessing tool and a tool for your children to remember. Father, we thank you so much for this time here and for these three nights we've had. And I pray that you will just speak to us, Lord. Teach us about this. Convict us of things. But Lord, help us to recall what you have done in our lives. And as maybe families get together tonight and they start talking about this to find some special event or special thing, Lord, help them to find something because there's so many things you do we don't even many times remember. And we are supposed to remember what you do. Because you are God. You alone are God. And you want us to remember. We thank you. We praise you. Keep us all safe, Lord. Keep the campers safe as they travel home tomorrow in the storms. But Lord, be with us tonight and help us to think about you as families before we go to bed. In Jesus' name, amen.